Hallelujah. Amen. Greetings, everyone, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm really glad to be here sharing from the Word. Uh, for today's meditation, uh, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 11, verse 4. Again, John chapter 11, verse 4. I'm going to read it for you guys. When Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Can we close our eyes in prayer? Father God, we come before your presence. Your people are here to hear your word. They are not here to hear me, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to everyone who is present here. It's your spirit that will directly touch everyone's heart, Father God. You have given me this message, but it's the one who you've given it, and I want you to, God, explain it and speak to their hearts, Father God. Giving everything, all glory and honor to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, most of you know the story of Lazarus coming back to life. Does anybody who doesn't know the story? I'm guessing most of you know, uh, learned it in Sunday school. So, it's a very interesting story. Um, it's, it's the whole setting. This, this is the time when Jesus was on earth. And he had this family that he was very close with. Uh, that is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, they're brothers and sisters. Um, you know, lived in Bethany. Uh, very close to Jesus at that time. And... Um, if you read, you know, the beginning verses, uh, this is the same Mary that took the fragrance and anointed Jesus. So they're very close to Jesus and something, they are at a point in life, something bad happens to them. Their brother that they loved fell sick. And, you know, their expectation was Jesus, he's the guy who, you know, walked on the water. He's the Jesus who turned, you know, water into wine. They believed that he's the Messiah. And they were hoping that he would heal him. So what they do is they send a word to Jesus. Jesus the man you love, that is Lazarus, is sick. And their expectation was that he would come, you know, he's going to lay hands or, you know, whatever he does, you know, he's going to heal them. But a very interesting thing happens here. When Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he decides to stay another two days where he is. You know, my expectation would be when you hear it, Jesus will be like, you know what? Oh my goodness, Lazarus is sick. I need to get there right now. I need to heal him. No. He decides to stay two more days. And this is what, when he heard it, that's what the answer he's, you know, he gave. He, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Understand the setting here. This is the time and age when there were followers of Christ and there were one group of people who was totally against Jesus. They questioned everything he did. They were not very happy about how he was healing people, how he was doing things on Sabbath. He was breaking traditions. He is this whole group of people that doesn't like him. And in midst of that, so understand, being in that environment, I'm pretty sure, this is not in the Bible, right? I'm, I'm thinking this through. I'm pretty sure they had a difference of opinion with a lot of their neighbors or the synagogue that went, they went to or the people around. They might have had a lot of differences because they accepted Jesus and they were friends with Jesus. And everything was... so. First of all, being friends with Jesus was a difficult thing in, its, you know, in itself. And the next thing that happens in their life is Lazarus falling sick. And they were like, you know what? No problem. You know, I, I want these people to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Go call him so that he can come and heal my, our brother. But that doesn't happen there. They were hoping that if Jesus comes and heal, the miracle will, be, will happen. And a lot of neighbors that they don't agree with probably will see what Jesus can do in their life. You know, they wanted to be like, you know what, Jesus will heal. And you know what, that will be a testimony here. But God had a whole different plan. God had a whole different plan. The ways of God, the will of God was not for Jesus to come there and heal him. All of them have seen plenty of healings in their life, right? The blind man sick, because in, you know, if you read it further down, uh, the Pharisees, they said, isn't this, you know, isn't, the, uh, isn't Jesus the guy who actually uh, healed the blind? Why could not he keep him from death? Imagine what that family went through. They're at a point in their life, they're suffering. And that suffering is the first, they had to have a difference of opinion. The second phase of suffering was their, their brother fell sick. And they, all the hope is lost the moment the Lazarus died. Imagine what they went through. I'm pretty sure there will be people talking about it behind and, you know, challenging what happened. Where is your Jesus now? He healed everybody. Why didn't he come? Right? All these questions. My message is for all those people that is going through, that ask the question very often, why? Why, God, why? Why did this happen to me? Why am I suffering of the life my kids are living? Why am I in a marriage that doesn't bring joy? Why is not my business booming? Why am I not, 
you know, getting better in my career. My message is to the people who always ask this question, why, God, why? Here we see a family whose biggest question mark is like, why did Jesus not come and heal them? They clearly know he could do it. But it wasn't the will of God. It wasn't the will of God that Jesus would come and heal him. Sometimes we struggle to understand the will of God in our life. And my encouragement today is, my, if you ask me what the topic is, I, I'm speaking around the will of God, specifically helping you understand the correlation between suffering and the will of God. There is a relationship there, and I want to point that out today. In my life, there are instances where I went through a lot of bad things. I cried out to God. There are instances wherein I asked and prayed, God, I want you to restore this relationship. That did not happen. I've asked God, God, make my job better. That did not happen. There's a lot of prayers that I've prayed that wasn't answered. But one thing I learned from a very young age was to surrender to the will of God. At that moment, I did not realize what God was doing. It was painful to me. But later in the years, I look back and I'm like, Wow, God, thank you. That was amazing how you brought me where I am. If that wouldn't have happened, I would have been in a whole totally different place. That is why we need to surrender to the will of God. Sometimes when you surrender to the will of God, you may not like what he has in store for you. Sometimes you'll be like, See, the, the problem is, sometimes we get so focused on our problems, we get so focused on our career, our family, our kids, that we completely forget to live according to the will of God. We live a very normal life. We are just living for the sake of living. I don't know if I have a better explanation to that. Like, you're just living every day. You wake up in the morning, you go to job, come back, sleep, do the same thing all, all over again. We need to constantly seek what is the will of God in our life. And I can give you numerous examples of people who lived according to the will of God, but their life wasn't all amazing. There are people who gave up their life because they served God. There are so many missionaries out there who are suffering. There are so many people that doesn't have food to eat because they chose Christ over their religion or their tradition. There are kids who have been kicked out of their house because they accepted Christ and they decided to live for Christ. If you want to live according to the will of God, the first thing you need to be mindful of is that your job that you have 
And the life you're living is meaningless if you compare it to eternity. The problem is we are not constantly thinking of our eternal life. We are so focused on what the boss is going to tell me tomorrow that we're totally missing the eternal aspect of our life. Dear friends, we have a life here according to the plan of God, but this is not the destiny. This is not the end destination. We are going through all this so we can be in eternity. So if we are suffering here, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter because we are meant for eternity. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, today there are a lot of churches that makes you feel like you're the center of the universe. They will preach God loves you so much. You are supposed to do this and that and you're supposed to be, ooh, I don't know, shake hair, earth. Sometimes God calls you to be just a Sunday school teacher, dealing with some kids and pour into their life. Sometimes God calls you to bake these delicious cookies after church. Not everybody is called to be preachers. Not everybody is called to be teachers. Not, everybody's calling is different. Though some suffer, God calls somebody to be businessmen. They are blessed. They have money. They have bigger houses. They have bigger cars. Because maybe God wants to use them to preach or to be an example to a whole different category of people. So whether you have blessings or you have suffering, the goal here is that your life honor God, glorify God. And that will only happen if you let God work His will in your life. Sometimes we go through suffering because God wants to build you up. Romans 5, 3 to 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So sometimes God takes you to this refining process because when you get refined, you will be a blessing to a lot of different people. So the next time you ask the question, God, I prayed years and years for healing in my body, but you never gave me. Understand this. God has a plan. The next time you question, God, I did everything right raising my kids. Why did they go away from you? Understand there is a plan and a purpose. 
You did everything right in your job. You're honest. You're loyal. You worked hard, yet you're not rewarded the way you're supposed to. You lose heart. But understand this. God has a plan. The way I... I the, let me give you an analogy. If you've been to Sight and Sound, have you, know, have you seen the you know, Sight and Sound shows, right? Or Broadway show, right? Everybody is not doing the same thing. There is a main character. There are supporting characters. There are people behind the stage. Everybody has to do their part to have put a nice show. In the similar way, God has a plan. He has a master plan. And we all play our parts for his glory. Right? Sometimes we may not be the main character. If I ask you today, who is Mordecai Ham? How many of you can tell me? Does anybody know who is Mordecai Ham is? Anybody? Can I ask you? <laughs> because I told you. <laughs> Let me ask you, how many of you know Billy Graham? Most of the people here knows Billy Graham, but nobody knows Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham is the man who led Billy Graham to Christ. God may not call you to be a Billy Graham, but he may call you to be that one guy that will bring the next Billy Graham to Christ. We need to open ourselves to the will of God. I cannot stress the importance of living according to the will of God. I know a pastor in India, Pastor George, great man of God. He was in a secular world, really high paid job. One day God said, come out. You're going to preach my word. He left everything. He went to this, you know, really not a city. It's like outside of city, slum area. Doesn't know the language, doesn't know anything. He took the Bible and started preaching the gospel. He planted a church there. Guess what? His both kidneys failed. He was on dialysis every week. The suffering that man went through, the suffering he has through in his body. There are times, one day his father-in-law calls and says, so are we going to do the funeral in Kerala or are we going to do it in Pune? There was no hope of him returning back. He lays hands and pray for people and they are healed. And here is a man who goes through dialysis three times a week. Finally, he got a kidney that was donated. His body rejected it. It failed. He's back on dialysis. But he's faithfully serving God and touching lives. I look at it and I ask God, why? You could have just healed him. We don't understand that. We may not understand God's way. And you don't need to understand it. That's where the trust factor comes in. You just have to trust. Let him take the wheel. He will take you where he wants you to. Because by the end of the day, Lazarus died. 
Imagine what the family went through. They put him in a tomb and then Jesus shows up. They went and said, Jesus, if you would have come here before, my brother wouldn't have died. But that wasn't God's plan. His plan was in front of the people who is so ready to stone him, in front of the people who accepts him, who just thinks, you know, he's a prophet. There are people who might have a different opinion about Jesus. In front of everybody, he does something crazy that never happened before. He goes and calls out, Lazarus, come out. And here is a man that was dead, was in the tomb for four days. He comes back to life. And that is working of God. That's how God works. You may think all hope is lost. You may think my marriage is over. You may think my career is over. But understand this. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. I want to flip the coin here. The other side of the coin is sometimes you suffer because you didn't listen to God's voice. Or it's the consequences of your own action. Let me read a verse here. Galatians 5 or 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sow, that he will also reap. And a similar passage, Job 4, 8. Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and saw trouble reap the same. Let me give you an example. In your college days, you met this amazing person. You fell in love, right? And you want to marry that person. And God spoke to you and said, nope, don't go that path. You don't want to listen. So God uses your parents and tells you, son, daughter, I don't think that's the right person in your life. You ignore them. You break that relationship ties. Then God tell, you know, speak through your friends. You cut that relationship. You go ahead. Everything is happy and rosy. You get married. The honeymoon period gets over. The reality sets in. There's tears in your eyes. God's will was not for you to suffer in that relationship, God's clearly his will was for you to, I don't know, marry somebody else who you both were supposed to do ministry together or 
be useful in God's kingdom in some other ways. No. You chose a path. And now here you're secretly weeping. Can't go to your parents and talk to them. They They told you not to do it. You broke the relationship with your friends over it. You're suffering in silence. There may be instances wherein God told you not to take that job. Ooh, but the pay was good. You took it. You did not pray about it. Understand, see, the, the, the God thing is not a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. Every aspect of your life, Christ should be the center. God should be a center, whether it's your job, whether it's your business, whether you're dealing with people, whether you're purchasing a car. Yes, you heard that right. In every aspect of your life, you need to incorporate God and ask for His will. Something that came to my mind right now. Why I said that. When you're purchasing a car, you may like a particular car model. You love it. But when you pray and ask God, God may say, you know what, don't buy that one. Probably it had a manufacturing defect, which God knows eventually it's going to hurt you. And God is trying to prevent you. That is why incorporating God in every aspect of life means. Because he knows everything. So you may think it's a great idea, may not be a great idea, because God knows everything behind the scenes. So that is why it's so important to surrender to the will of God. So now, there are instances you're suffering, not because God wanted you to suffer, It's because you took some actions on your own. You made some choices without consulting God, without seeking His opinion. And now you're suffering. That's the law. If you do that, you will suffer. But there's hope in it. But there's hope in it. I can show you different men in the Bible that messed up. I was telling Jeff the other day, I really don't understand Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. His calling was different. He was very unique. God poured out his strength on him. He was supposed to do great and mighty things. And he did it to some extent. Then Delilah comes into his life. He messed up his life. Now he is in a prison. He is, his life is done. But then he makes one prayer, God, use me one last time. And God used him. So if you are in a place where you think you messed up, there is no hope for you, here is the good news. There is hope. There is no mess up in your life that God cannot turn back and use it for his glory. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do that God will say, sorry, I can't use you. You could be royally messed up. But if you come to his presence, 
surrender to his will and say, God, not my will, not my plans, not my ways, yours and yours alone, God will still use you. Moses, David, Peter, examples are plenty in Bible. They all messed up. When they turned back, when they turned back, came back to God, they, God continued to use them. We need to make it a habit every day to seek God's will. When you wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Tell me what you need to do. I have numerous examples in my life where God used things, unexpected ways, for his glory. You just have to lean on to God. Let him use you. I want to encourage you guys with a story today. This happened in a state of Assam. I mean, right now it's Magalia, that part. There was a man named Noxeng. He, outside his village somewhere, he was in a, he saw some of the missionaries preach and he decided to give his life to Christ. He and his family. He left his tradition, his family culture, his people, everything he left behind and he chose this Jesus. His newfound faith agitated the entire village. And the villagers were so angry, the village chief and the entire mob came, pulled the entire family out of the house, shoved them to the center square of the village, and they said, you need to recant whatever this new faith is, whoever this Jesus is, you need to recant that right now. The man is lost of words. He doesn't know what to say. He absolutely doesn't know what to do, what to say. Then few lines, few words that comes into his mind. That when he was living, giving his life to Christ, he kind of composed a song in his heart. And that's what he sang there. And this is when they had been threatened to take his life, his family's life away. And this is what he sings. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided 
angry mob kills his children but they wanted to show mercy so they said if you recant jesus will let you and your wife live he came he had no words to say and he continues singing though none go with me still i will This time they gave him a last chance and say save yourself all you need to do is give up your newfound faith recant jesus but with joy in his heart with peace in his mind he continues singing the world behind me the cross before me him too my question is where is the god that promised you he's never leave you and forsake you where is the god that said i will not let your foot dash against the stone where is the god that said i will give angels charge over you where is the god the whole family is dead because they served Christ but you know what that was the will of god the will of god was that they will that that their life will be taken away but the story doesn't end there the story doesn't end there everybody goes home and there's only one question in everybody's mind who is this jesus the village chief who is this jesus that a man will let his wife and children die who is this jesus that he will give his own life who is this jesus that after all these years of friendship and all this community that he had he gave everything up 
Sometimes when you decide to surrender to the will of God, it may cost you your life, it may cost you your job, it may cost you everything that you hold dear. But understand this, when God's will happens in your life, it may be bad, it may be good, but it only brings glory to the Father. It will bring glory to the Father. Can we all stand up right now? I want you guys to look into your own life. Is there any areas of your life that you haven't surrendered to the will of God? I'm not forcing anyone. God has given everybody free will. It's your choice. But understand this, when you make this prayer, be very careful because what God has in store for you, you may not like it. You may not like it. There are instances in my life I've given control over God and I did not like how God took me through. I did not understand why I suffered. A boy who was born in a little village in India is here in West Milford because I surrendered to the will of God. God may take you to different places, different walks of your life. Sometimes He may pluck you out of West Milford and plant you in Africa or a third world country where you may not even have best necessity of your life. So be very careful what you pray today. If you surrender to the will of God, be ready to take up that cross. But the ultimately, our life on this earth is not for convenience, not for comfort, not to entertain our friends in our kitchen. It's not about our kids' baseball game or you know, basketball game going to college, none of it matters. It's about God's glory in our life. So if any one of you felt compelled, if the Spirit is speaking to you and wants you to surrender completely to His will, Sing with us. Sing with this song with complete surrender. Every word that you're going to sing, it needs to mean to your heart. 